This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to the Slate Political Gap Fest for December 27, 2018, the Conundrum Edition. I am David Plotz of Atlas Obscura. I'm joined live on stage at a Skirball Center on the campus of New York University by my fellow Gap Fest hosts, John Dickerson of CBS this morning. Hello, John. Hello, and Emily Bazelon of the New York Times Magazine. Hello, Emily. So for the past two centuries, New York City has been a laboratory of American philosophical thought. I don't need to tell any of you that it was here growing up that William James formulated the will to believe doctrine, defined the difference between soft and hard determinism, and made the case for radical empiricism. Or that a few decades later, John Dewey galvanized early 20th century Americans with his theory of pragmatism, which... I can hear you all saying to yourself, was actually better understood as instrumentalism. <laughs> Manhattan was, of course, the, the heart of the philosophical melee after World War II as Reinhold Niebuhr's Christian realism, Hannah Arendt's meditations on totalitarianism, and Ayn Rand's radically individualistic objectivism competed to capture the hearts and minds of Gothamites. <laughs> and on this very block in 1923, Frederick Hayek shed his early infatuation with democratic socialism and began to turn toward the classical liberal ideas that would shape and guide 20th century economic theory. And it is just this majestic tradition that we shall not honor tonight. (laughs) It is these crucial questions posed by titans of philosophy that we shall not answer this evening. Aristotle, Plato, Kant, Mill, Weber, Durkheim... None of these giants have anything useful to say about the conundrums we will grapple with here. (laughs) We will not hearken back 2,500 years to the agora, to the fundamental questions that have puzzled humankind. We are here for a different purpose. Tonight, we tackle the philosophical questions that you actually think about. So would you rather have the wisdom of age 50 at age 25 or the body of a 25-year-old at age 50? (laughs) All cats or all dogs must die. Which do you kill? <laughs> there are a lot of actually rotten choices, like choices you're just really glad you don't have to make. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. This what? is preparing us for the yeah. dog or the cat, cat apocalypse. or dog slaughter. <laughs> you, it's choose your own adventure. You can have one apocalypse. So let's get started. Waffle or pancake? So I'm a bad person. I don't like either waffles or pancakes, honestly. Whoa. Whoa. I don't like breakfast food that has syrup. Coming in hot. I know. Yeah, right. I don't really like breakfast food that has syrup. I'm not interested in it. It's, oh, look, there's some other loony tuna. I don't like the texture of it. But you can eat them without syrup. Then it doesn't taste good. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't like syrup, but if it doesn't have syrup, it doesn't taste good. But waffle... Waffles, you can put all kinds of things on waffles. I'm not interested in those things. I don't like whipped cream. I think chicken, Nutella. Yeah, Nutella maybe. So I would take a hot, a warm muffin or a warm scone or a warm pastry over pancakes and waffles like any day. But a a waffle's just a flat muffin? No, I don't think so. It has a totally different texture, don't you think? And you have to cut it up. I don't like how it's a meal and you have to actually cut it up. Well, you just eat your muffins just one whole thing. I take bites. I don't cut them up with the knife and a fork. And you can dip them in coffee much more easily or tea. Oh dip them in coffee, but syrup is right out. <laughs> I think I just 
don't like maple syrup very much is the answer. But what if, now you guys Why are, are you not punishing weird. the waffle and the pancake for not liking maple syrup? Because that's the, they're vehicles for maple syrup. Isn't that the whole point? Not necessarily. No, no, they can no. be vehicles for other things. They can be vehicles for themselves. They can be vehicles for the blueberry in them or the butter you put on top of it. Do you like wake up and think I really the want... The chocolate chips? I, I don't wake up and think I really want a waffle or a pancake. It's the thing that I never the order question. on the menu. Yeah. The John. <laughs> She's so what is the, What's the right answer, John? Or what? a bagel. An egg. That's uh, what You would pick a bagel over a pancake? Totally. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. Bagel? Cream cheese and egg or lox, absolutely, 100% every time. Wait, cream cheese and egg? Yeah, I like those together, actually. The correct answer is pancakes. Uh, the are opening before you. You know, this has not come up in the Airbnbs that we've shared. It's true. John, do you, do you have a view on this? Yeah, no, it's, obviously it's waffles. <laughs> What's the case? The little pockets are tailor-made for butter, they hang out in there. It stays warm so that it's not. Conge- it takes a little while for it to mm-hmm. congeal. With the pancake, you're always t- trying to get the other ones on top so that you can get the butter melted. But if you don't do it fast enough, it's just this clump of butter in the middle, I feel which like then you're creates. Making my case for me. No, no, no. I haven't gotten to the syrup. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the syrup is fine. The syrup. Uh, so that's basically it. And then uh, also they pay, taste better with pecans, which is what I like in my waffles. That's, that's a good case. I mean, I think the, the only case for pancakes, which is what I would endorse, is that you can undercook. I basically like a pan. Pancakes can be massively undercooked, and can thus you can just have the raw batter, which is basically what I like. Really? Whereas a waffle, you cannot radically you know, undercook. They see this. You, you eat pancake batter? Yeah. Is it like cookie dough batter? Yeah, oh. a little bit. Yeah. So, like day-old pancake batter. Is... <laughs> Somewhere Aristotle is ripping out his hair. Uh, All right. Okay, well, let's... let's uh, no, we've had enough on this. So let's go back to one of the questions I posed in the top. So would you rather have the wisdom of age 50 at 25 or the body of a 25-year-old at age 50? Okay, hold on. The wisdom... Say that again. I'm still you don't to have a... the wisdom of 50 at 50, apparently. Who wants so... to have... The... Do we really want to have the wisdom of 50 at age 25? No, you I don't. don't think no, we don't. No, you want to grow into it. Right. right. So right. for so me, you, this question was easy. you want the 25-year-old body. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Because I'm not even interested yeah, in the first part. Yeah. Like, I think it's actually great to not have that much wisdom, and like that's how it goes. Because you right? have to earn your wisdom. Yeah, and yeah. also part of being young is that you don't know everything yet and you have, don't have it figured out, and that's like a joy of being young, even if it also means that you're screwing things up constantly. And if you're eating raw, um, uh, if you're eating raw pancake batter at age 49, you're going to need that 25-year-old body. <laughs> David has it, so yeah, it's all good. Because wisdom has not stopped you from eating the raw <laughs> batter. That was Dan Fisher's question, incidentally. So here's a qu- this, is, this is a question I pose to my kids. So uh, we'll try this. Would you rather give up an arm or the internet? This is another painful choice one, right? We'd, we'd rather not be faced with this. I am not giving up my arm. I don't think it's a... I think it's an impractical answer that I just gave. But your whole arm... Then you can't, like, do a lot of things. You can't type, for example. Well, actually. I mean, there are really good prosthetics, too. Yeah, and you can dictate to your phone. True. You definitely give up an arm. That's not that's not even close. Does everyone else get to keep the internet? Everyone else keeps the internet. No, everyone else is, like, going along on the internet. With both arms. Yeah, they all get both arms. So your yeah. arm is because for everyone's Because if it's a shared internet? experience, it might be less Does everyone the get the same choice, or is it your arm and the no, internet No, you personally, you're offered the choice. Like some vicious person, some, some cruel person is like, you can give up the internet for life, or you can give up your arm. So I have the exact opposite view. I would like to give up the inter- internet right now. <laughs> but you, John, you say that. That's like such a moral... You take this like virtue-signaling pose, but yet... You really don't. You're on, you've been on the internet like probably since we started the show, you've tweeted. <laughs> Look, he has so a little notepad. It's, it's, it's not that's here, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you're complaining <laughs> about your connectivity the whole time. Well, your life hackery wouldn't do as well if you didn't have the internet. No, 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 because, be you, because it would be better because you would spend time with uh, actual paper and books and pens and 
and it would be so much more gentle and calm. But you wouldn't be able to do your job. So think about that. Well, you do another job. What job would you do? You have not, you're not qualified to do anything you that doesn't write require the <laughs> Not that I am. Not, you could be Bob Dylan. Well, there was a ch- there was. I mean, this is it tr- tricky since you both have been my editor. I was going to say I could write, but since you assume that I would have no job, I think, that, <laughs> I think be- implicit in your claim is that I can't make a living as a writer anymore. That's uh, not true, but you might have to write a novel or a poetry or songs. I'm not sure you why could. Why can't do- I write about the uh, current events? Without you know, the, the problem is we're, we're whipsawed hard. around by. We need to step back, and wouldn't that be the way to step back? Huh? Interesting. I challenge you to write a chapter of your book without the internet. Oh, I'll write the... Yeah, I could do that. I have books. Okay, okay. The, you, there is just no chance that anyone would do it. I think the real question is, would you give up both arms? That is the only actual... All right, first, well, you know, we'll do a little audience survey. Who would... Who would uh, we're going to do it vocally. I'm going to give two choices. The first choice is going to be, I would give up my arm for the internet. And the second choice is, I would not give up my arm for the internet. So who would give up their arm for the internet? Who, in the room. who would not give up your arm for the internet? That is. People are attached to their body parts, and that yeah. is a healthy instinct so, to have. But it, do you know what this would sound like after that was done? <laughs> <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, here's one. Uh... What is a life-altering activity that you think every human should ideally get to experience at least once in their lives? I mean, there's an obvious one, which is sex. Like, that's the obvious one. But are there others? <laughs> once and only <laughs> once. Well, no, a whole series of questions just came into what my about mind. Like about jumping from a really high rock onto water. Something no. that's a thrill. I feel like everyone, like skiing down a mountain, like you can pick things where you lose your, you can't think because you're overwhelmed by physical experience. I thought this, sex. I thought you meant one that we have had that we would. Uh... So that knocks out sex for you? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, you could do rock I'm not, climbing. I'm not going to do what I. I uh, <laughs> you're so tempted. Um, no don't do that rock climbing (laughs) anyway uh, back on track David Um, rock climbing I think uh, rock climbing has that same quality right that you're talking about where you can't think of it quality of sex I didn't realize you used so many ropes David (laughs) (laughs) we moved on to physical Uh, thrills uh, you out Parts. here. I give you like a really good exit ramp and you just like back. But uh, I, may, I may experience this again tonight, but um, being booed on, on stage in front, of a, a, uh, in front of a live audience. Wow, why? I don't want to experience that. <laughs> My dreams have come true. Uh, well, having... Uh, because it's you could, um no, it's a very like it's a very powerful experience, um, and to just it's not one that it's it's one that's not that common. Um, Hopefully, it's very it's uh, I don't know. Has I that mean, happened wh- to you? Yeah, you remember that with Ted Cruz and uh, Anthony Scalia's oh, death. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Those are good. good. Okay, good. it might it might be also the the reason you're being booed that might that might matter too. Riding yeah. your bike down a really sharp hill that might be of the <laughs> well because I don't ski, but that I that feeling. But I feel like there's a better answer here. We'll right? come up no, with it. I mean, no, 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 but something either one of you have experienced that the miracle of childbirth or something. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, having a baby, that's true. I, I would, I'm not sure I think labor and delivery absolutely, well, they were pretty amazing. But I think having a baby, the experience of having a baby and taking care of anyone's baby, yeah, okay. that's there good. Falling in love is like 
Yeah. I wish that on everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do one more, then I'm going to hand these to you guys so you can pick some. All right, so what... Uh, this is Brian Mojica, and Brian asks, which fictional news event occurring in a TV show or movie would you have wanted to cover? I had a lot of ideas for this. Like, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was really would be fun. kind of think Jaws would have been really fun, too, in its own perverse way. Is there media in Jaws? Do they have, like, a, is there a newspaper coverage of, you know, really the Vineyard Gazette? Is... Who are you going to interview? The shark? The people, uh, yeah, well, true, yeah. Uh, are you sorry you ate all those people? Donna, <laughs> Donna. Well, if you could interview the shark, then you definitely would want to do it. That's true. Because then you'd be able to talk to a shark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What about the Manchurian candidate? Oh. That's good. Yeah. That's wow. good. Do you have one, David? I, I think I, I, mine was, um, because I'm a child of the early 1980s, it was uh, V, which is basically Close Encounters, but V is this miniseries about extraterrestrials Ooh, who are yeah. lizard-faced and they oh come and are God. benevolent and then you realize that they are lizard-faced and that would have been cool to be to break the story when they <laughs> ripped off the lizard mask and revealed their Ted Cruzness beneath <laughs> I, I would want to interview, uh, interview um, uh, Frodo and Sam and Gandalf nice nice so you guys have a lot of burn marks. Like, where'd those come from? You know, what? that's interesting. Like, but in fantasy... Maybe get, when they get to Rivendell. In fantasy, and even in science, science fiction, there's never media. There's never, there's never conveyance of... Rita in Harry Potter. Harry, there, which so is great. That is, is a great, great. element. She's sort of yeah. an awful character, though. It'd be nice to be, like, the good journalist Rita Skeeter. But you're right. There aren't... Like, when Dorothy gets to the Wizard of Oz, the How does information travel? Like, people right. don't well, have reliable sources of information. Yeah. Well, Bilbo is a very reliable narrator. <laughs> there and back again. Um, that's, those are great. Those are good ones. Here, Emily, here. Oh, good. Okay. I get to read some. Yeah, I've just wandered okay. through. Um, all right. All the entertainment you can ever consume going forward has to come from just one decade. Which decade do you choose? I think... So I'm, most of my formative time was in the 80s, but the 80s is a bad decade. So I think I would pick the 70s because <laughs> there's a lot of variety. It doesn't have quite as much... It has, it's, it's like there's a lot of different kinds of music. It's very experimental. Um, and the movies are great. And it's, I'm assuming you get to move everything into HD, so it doesn't have to... Like, the TV shows don't have to look like they would look. Right. The TV would be crap. Bell bottoms and they stuff. have... No, they're going to definitely have their bell-bottoms on. You can't no, change No, but you don't them. have oh, to. Oh, you don't yeah. have to. Okay. So I think the 70s. What about you guys? I feel like there's so much amazing entertainment now. I wouldn't give up all like everything that's streaming for another decade. Well, I feel like it has to be now. Oh, that's huh. very smart. But that means also the music. Like you, yeah, I'm less. You to, I have, there are plenty of new things that I like well enough. I mean, I'd lose a lot of my like go-to's, but I would have some. And you, there's. I mean, everything. I feel like all the shows that I consume are better and they're just more of them and they're more interesting. Right. TV is definitely, this is definitely the time. I'm not sure about movies though, necessarily. I think for me it would be probably the 1630s because, <laughs> because if, if that was for me a time when you could, you could pick like the most pompous number that would make it sound like this answer was going to have some substance to it. Uh, no, I think like uh, the 1960s probably for me. Okay, I like this one. A former president, alive or dead, is the new and permanent fourth co-host of the Gab Fest. Who do you choose? That's good. That's a good one. Who, whose question is that? Alan Dibner. All right. John? Dibner, possibly. I, um, I mean, I, this is such a cop-out, but I think you'd have to... Uh, if you say Lincoln, you're off the show. I think it's Teddy Roosevelt. He's so funny. He seems like he had a great sense of humor. Here's the problem with Teddy Roosevelt. Oh. Super, 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 super high voice. It would we'd drive listeners away. None of us would be confused with him. Like, it would be very distinctive. Don't you think he would, like, monologue a lot? Yes. I, mean, yeah. I think yeah. anyone, any of them are in danger of that. You think Bill Clinton would monologue? I think he would. 
He wasn't one of my. I, I wasn't picking him either. Because just, the thing about the thing about Lincoln and FDR is they were real. They were great wits. I mean, they were really, really funny and quick. And and uh, and now the Lincoln Douglas debates did sometimes go for seven hours. So uh, so it, when, you know the debate last speaking week. Speaking of yes, of of prolific speakers, yeah. they would be. What about you, Emily? I mean, oh, you I picked like, you TR. You picked TR. I picked TR, but also I picked Barack Obama. Yeah. Well, he's, he knows the medium. He knows, he, the, he medium. knows the medium. He's available. Long, long, he's alive. Long That's answers. Attribute. Long answers. Yeah. Long answers. You don't would, think he'd You be can't able do to? Chester Arthur because his beard would mess In up the, the mic. In the way of the microphone. <laughs> I would do, um, I think, well, obviously Grant because I picked Grant for everything. But I think I, weirdly, TR was also my answer, but then I thought he would monologue. Herbert Hoover because Herbert Hoover is somebody who's like really accomplished in a lot of different fields. He politically he'd kind of challenge us, but he's also got this humanitarian hmm. quality to How him. About Harry Truman, maybe. Very, he's very you, short answers with that guy. Yeah. Quick yeah. decisions. Yeah, decisive, analytical. Yeah. Very yes, right with big consequences. You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to have a scheduling conflict with him. Who would be the worst? Who'd be the worst? Clinton would be terrible. I think Clinton so. would be. Appalling. How about Nick? Reagan wait, wait. would probably be great. No, Reagan wait, would no, be fun. Kind of gauzy, I think. Hmm. Depends hmm. what you want out of them, right? Well, you ha- want to spend time with them every week. Just think yeah. about that part. David, would you rather have a good parent or be a good parent? Oh, that's deep. Um, this comes from Susan Light. You know what's? <laughs> I have wonderful parents, and and it's just the greatest blessing. And so it's, it's made my life so much easier than it would have been. And so selfishly, of course, I want to say I would like to have good parents because it, but it's probably like as a, as a act of like, like if you feel like you, you need to contribute to the world, obviously you should choose to be a good parent. Right. I mean, I, what I find kind of poignant about this question is you're choosing, you wouldn't want to inflict pain. So obviously you're, and I think most of us, like we des- people desperately want to be good parents. But the idea of inflicting upon oneself a miserable childhood is like, tough, right? You're at your most vulnerable. You can't really control your response to that. That's hard. Yeah. The answer is be a good parent. <laughs> Hey, Slate listeners, I'm Christina Cotarucci, the host of Slow Burn, Gaze Against Briggs. I want to tell you about a special event we're doing at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York City on June 13th. To celebrate this new season of Slow Burn and Pride Month, we're hosting an exclusive live taping of the show with special guests, including civil rights activist and Black Lives Matter organizer DeRay McKesson, comedian and singer Esther Fallick, Eric Marcus, the host of Making Gay History, and Sam Fader, director of the Netflix documentary Disclosure, about the depiction of trans people in film and television. We'll dive deeper into this season and talk about the lasting impact of the Briggs Initiative and the continued fight over LGBTQ rights in schools. It'll be the perfect way to celebrate Pride Month this June with LGBTQ stories and voices across generations. Again, that's June 13th at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash slowburn. Hope to see you there. For our Slate Plus segment today, we're going to do audience conundrums. So if you want to become a member of Slate Plus, go to slate.com slash GabFest Plus to join today. Some years ago, a friend of mine at Slate said, you have to meet Simon Doonan. He's the greatest dinner party guest in the world. And not long after that, Simon um, and I had lunch, and I realized that my colleague had actually undersold Simon, because he's also the greatest lunch companion in the world. Simon is the creative ambassador at large for Barney's, where he revolutionized the art of window dressing. He's a prolific writer of books and columns. One of the pleasures of my editing life was editing the column he used to write for Slate. And most recently, he has gained the national fame that he so richly deserves as one of the judges on the NBC crafting competition show, Making It, which is a truly amazing show. If you haven't had the chance to watch it, you should watch it. So we are honored and thrilled to be joined by conundrum solver, Simon Doonan. Hello. 
Welcome, Simon. How are you? So I wanted, Simon, I, I have a couple of specific Dunin, Dunin uh, targeted conundrums for you. Um, so uh, on your, your show, Making It, that you're a judge on now, you have contestants who are, who are making, attempting to make extraordinary things under extreme time pressure, and sometimes they fail. And so the question is, is it possible to judge something that is terrible without being mean? Well, I never think that anything's terrible. Like, the more goofy and wacky it is, the more I enjoy it. So we, you are actually have emerged in this interaction as a very judgmental person. <laughs> like, um, I, you know, that, that, what a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. The, the thing about crafting is there, there's no fails. You're supposed to enjoy it. The main criteria is that you just enjoy it. You can throw glitter at it, make paper mache um, giraffes, like do whatever you want. And so there is no sort of objective standard for um, failure, but <clears throat> it's whether there's conviction or not. You know, like if you're going to make a giant poodle out of feather dusters, you better mean it. And all right, that's then one answer. one other that's that's very it's very politic. Yeah. It's very politic. One other one. So your your husband is also a celebrated person. He's a celebrated designer, Jonathan Adler. And so, I is it this is a question for all of us. Is it rude or is it kind for the Dunan Adlers to bring a Jonathan Adler product to somebody as a gift? Oh, kind. <laughs> I want one. <laughs> we are so self-involved and selfish that we bring his gifts all the time. It never occurred to me that anybody would think, oh, uh, what should I do with this? Or should I put it on eBay? Or this is heinous looking. Um, no, I, we've always bring his stuff as little gifty poos. And I've never had that moment of introspection. Maybe there's something missing from my psyche that we should... David well, is asking yeah, these ask. sort of cynically premised questions. I'm just trying to, it turns out that's that right. you have so much just trying to create some drama. Exactly. <laughs> there's tension to be yeah, I, know, I know you ask these questions, so I'm just throwing glitter at them and they're making them so much better. So, David, let me ask you this question. Would you ever bring one of your books as a, as a gift to someone's house? I would not bring one of my books as a gift you to someone's. You wouldn't? No. Oh, my God. I don't think I just come rushing through the door books. with my books in one arm and his stuff in the other arm. But I would bring, if I were married to Jonathan Adler, I yes. would bring Jonathan Adler things. But, but I think of feel, I feel like the products that he creates are different than a book, which is... It's Maybe not useful. I, I've been in retail for four decades, so I'm totally used to the idea of selling. So when I became an author, I was most relentless. I was like Jacqueline Suzanne. <laughs> you know, she would sell, sell, sell every book. Like, so I don't have any qualms about doing that. And believe me, no one's keeping score. If you brought me one of your books, I wouldn't think, oh, that self-promoting lunatic. <laughs> I would just think, yay. <laughs> would you, though? What if you didn't want to read it and you just put it away? And so then it's not problem you wouldn't think it was just a little self-involved but I'm you would be forgiving oh no i would think of you know how difficult it is to, to promote and sell a book in it this is day true. and age You're allowed you to have do to anything. have them like scotch taped every facet of your body <laughs> and be talking about the morning noon and night and you know like why not sell it right put get your push-up bra on and get out there and sell <laughs> your books metaphorically yeah have you ever found your book in a used bookstore with an inscription to a person that you inscribed the book for? Uh, no, but I've heard people who, I've I, heard that tell of that. Oh my God, it happens to me all the time. And people send me pictures, hey, this is lying in a heap of trash at the flea market on 26th Street. And it's my book with, you know, and you think, oh, that's kind of poignant, you know? Like, I wonder what, there's a story there. It is a, it is a, curious thing about books that they are obviously there are many copies of them they're replicated and yet they can also be personalized so they can appear to be a neutral object but actually have this hidden little like bomb in them but, right because it's okay to find your book in the flea market if you didn't inscribe it to someone else maybe right, it's but totally when you... fine if it's inscribed to someone else it's, it's totally well, fine unless, unless it says dear dad <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Can, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us to some conundrums here, some more universal conundrums. So, um, Emily, what would you change about, genetically change about humans to make us a better species? There's only one correct answer to this, by the huh. way. I think it has to do with uh, 
lessening a I want everyone to be nicer to each other, but I'm not quite sure how you accomplish that. So it has something to do, I mean, I I actually think aggression is important and obviously every animal species has it, but I want the ratio of kindness to aggression to aggression to change so that there's more rewarding of kindness and more um, lifting up of kindness. That is not a very good answer. No, that's a fantastic answer. No, that's good. Yeah, no, in fact, I I was going to... I was it's not the to, right answer, try, but we'll get to that. Oh, I was trying to find, yeah, something you could do. I was thinking just shave about 30% off of the amygdala, but then, but then you're going to need that 30 when the bus is coming at you. Right, you gotta, right, right. You need your flight or fear. You need yeah, your instincts of self-preservation. You can't, like, you can't have empathy with a hood ornament. Um, <laughs> so, uh, all right, David, what's the right answer? So Simon, do you have an answer? I do. Yeah. I would eliminate boldness for men because... <laughs> I myself, I myself am blessed with a magnificent head of hair. You're right, you are. A head of hair. Um, But my friends who are bald, you know, it's it's complicated. And, you know, it's like... Wait, Simon. Why do you think I'm so judgmental and aggressive? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So it comes back to your point. It would eliminate that irate... But, but shouldn't women have some equivalent attribute that they get to keep to make them youthful since we generally... I guess we could not have our hair turn gray, but it doesn't seem equivalent to me. Mm. I'm thinking. Yeah. That's excellent. That's a good one. The, the correct answer is, of course, uh, tails. We would all get tails. <laughs> that, that is by far... The best thing that could happen. bring up tails Wait, you, in every you, this is, yes. show. And what are they doing now? What's the tail going to help with? You have a. It just makes us all, you know, you can hang out better. You can hang from trees. <laughs> better balance. You can't sit so easily. We'll I figure fear. out a way. Okay. Wait, how chair. does the tail, is the tail involved in the hanging out part of this situation? You just hang. You'd be hanging. and it'd be, Literally you'd hanging. You'd be literally hanging. We'd say, oh, I'm hanging out. And it, you would mean it. For a but, change. but the conversations would be short because all the blood would rush to your head. I mean, they would, you know, we'd, would, we'd develop it, we'd work it out. It's not all, you know, it's not all one thing. You didn't answer. Uh, uh, I know I, I, was, I was glomming onto yours oh, with you the, uh, with, um, <laughs> hoping that you wouldn't notice that I didn't have a proper answer. <laughs> okay, Simon, what literary or cinematic genre would you like to live in? Um, film noir. Oh. Mm. Wouldn't it be, oof. Very ooh. mysterious. Like the weather's well, bad all the time. all the time. Smoky um, rooms. The thing that's so great about it is that there are no redeeming characters. Everyone's, everyone's psychopathic and dreadful. And <laughs> um, that whole idea of role models and everything that we have now, no. Like... <laughs> But everyone looks incredible. The men, a lot of really mean, beautiful people. Veronica Lake, and you know, everyone's smoking, and it's just yeah, excellent style points, but then devoid of all like human or moral. No jarring colors. It's all in black and white. Yeah, I feel like if you believed in gun control, it'd be good too, because their guns are always running out after a few, because they're all six. (laughs) They're all revolvers. John, what genre would I? Um, I was trying to think about iambic pentameter, but after a while, you get sick of it because you just be like, "Would you stop being so damn sing-songy? Let's get a little prose in in here." Um, I don't know. I, I this is boring, but um, I, I think Middle Earth. John always can go to his, John always his goes back Hobbit to Middle place. Earth. Yeah. Um, I pick musical theater because I want to have a world where people just burst oh, yeah. rationally and it's right. like bloody awful and yet amazing at the same time. Right, where I you're just totally at the bank and the teller that. is yes, like... Yes, and people are twirling with umbrellas suddenly and like a full orchestra is playing and you can sing really beautifully. I totally pick that. That's what, great. That is really That's good. That's good. But wouldn't it ultimately be a hellscape because nothing would get done? Because everybody's constantly Why is breaking that bad? out into song. Maybe that's great that nothing gets like getting things they get, done. Usually, doesn't they help resolve us. at ninety minutes. That's like, true. Yeah. the plots always fix themselves. Right. right. No, and no one spills the coffee when they're twirling either. So I, I guess I'm, I'm with. I think I would do musical theater. I would. I mostly could think of the one that I would don't want to be in, which is magical realism. I do not want to be in be one dreadful. where like you know flowers are growing out of someone's head. Or also, the really grandpa's long... living to be two hundred and forty years old. It's like just die, grandpa. You don't need to. <laughs> 
Wait, wait. I find this inconsistent with your view about tails. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> okay, John, if you could instantly master one new skill, putting forth no effort, what would it be? Uh, I think riding a horse. Why? I've always, wanted to, I've always wanted to be really super proficient at riding a horse. I feel like you could do that. Like, you'd be perfectly good at it. When am I going to find the damn time? I guess that's true. And there but are not horses of trans- plenty. True. Uh, do you, not in New York City. So, well, probably somewhere. But you think that would be transporting, riding a horse? Like- well, I think, f- uh, yeah, I think it would be. Okay. I think it would be pretty cool. I think it would be pretty cool. Simon, what about you? Hair colorist. <laughs> because of the balding. Um, <laughs> all the hairdressers that I know, especially the colorists, they all have so much cash, and they've, <laughs> they've always they've always got loads of dough. Like, and with all these jobs disappearing and the you know disruption of everything, the one thing that's not going to get disrupted is hair. People always want their hair done. They always want it colored. Yeah, right. <laughs> Emily? <laughs> yeah, a horse I, is sounding different now. I want to be able to do something with my body that I could never, ever do in real life. So then it's either sports, but really it's dancing, which just takes me back to my musical comedy fantasies. But I think being like an amazing modern dancer, that would be, that would just be, I mean, that would just be amazing to be able to move the way you watch those people or playing an instrument incredibly well, which I do not at all. But being able to do something with your fingers or your, the rest of your body that you could never imagine. That's great. I think I would do, I have, I would love to be able to sing. I have a terrible singing voice and that would be ideal. Or to learn how to negotiate. That would be a great skill. You're good at negotiating. No, I could, I would like to be better. I'm always so happy when you're negotiating for me because you're so much better at it than I am. He is quite good. Yeah. Would you rather... Simon, have a washing machine or the right to vote. <laughs> but add the thing. If you, Ro- if you and Rob, this is from Robbie Hudson, and and so if you take vote, it means you have to wash your clothes by hand. You can't like take them forever. to a laundromat. Well, the weird thing about moi is that I love washing my own clothes. I wash everything. I even wash tailored jackets. And like when Jonathan and I travel, um, I always think, oh God, I hope there's a washing line in the bathroom because I'm always rinsing things out. It looks like Naples the minute (laughs) I move in. So I actually love rinsing things out. I never dry clean anything. So yeah, that's the easy one for me. I'm voting and I'm clean. Do I personally lose the right to vote, or does everybody lose the right to vote? Ooh. Because obviously, then you have to wash your clothes by hand. If everyone is going to lose the right to vote, and the end of our democracy is nigh, that's bad. Huh. Then okay, so really... then you take... Okay, so then you okay, wash But if hand. you have to lose only your own right to vote, I know I'm supposed to pick <laughs> that that's more important, but in the end, like, man... I no, I, this is a part of the the bubble of honesty that we have uh, created in the Gapfest because I'm really surprised you said that. So that's great that you said that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not what I would do, but uh, <laughs> what about you? I would take the washing machine. <laughs> not even that is not even hard. I might even give. I might even like have everyone give up the right to vote. Also, I live in D.C. No. and D.C. You right, don't you vote for anything have meaningful. No right meaningful. To vote. Yeah, it's, it's, it's meaningless. So I basically don't even vote for anything that matters. You don't mean this. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, would you rather live in an anarchist society or under a totalitarian regime? Asks Joseph Murphy. That is a hard question. See, I don't this is I pick anarchy but I think no way it's an easy question absolutely but I think most of the reason I pick it is I haven't really seen it depicted very much whereas I have all these images have you seen The Purge the movie The Purge no that's anarchy or The Hunger Games is it bad right (laughs) The Hunger Games is kind of fun (laughs) if you're Katniss it's fun I I I definitely pick anarchy that is absolutely the wrong answer. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's total- first of all, in a totalitarian regime, you're 
educated and you know you're you're a striver so you'd find a way to make yourself part of no, the, the ruling infrastructure. No, you become oppressed. You can't do anything meaningful because you have to knuckle under. Yeah, you'd knuckle under. The... You would knuckle under and serve like, you know, the, you'd knuckle under and serve so you could have your bourgeois life. Ugh. And much order is disorder is is terrible. Who wants to live in disorder? You have to live in order. Ugh. Yuck. So depressing. What do you think? Well, I, uh, I at first I thought, well, the answer is where David was because I thought in anarchy you just never know. You could be in your quiet little room and then like something totally unpredictable, an anarchist happens. Except if it's a totalitarian regime, they could just decide to do you in right. for theirs. So that's true. So now yeah. I've cha- so now I don't know what so I don't know what I would uh, so I don't know what I would pick. I'm in the middle of forming my thoughts, Simon. <laughs> um, it's very difficult having lived through the punk rock revolution in the late seventies. <laughs> It was fun when it was pretend, yeah. but I think I'd, uh, I'd have to go with uh, I'd go with totalitarian if I could design the uniforms and, uh, and art direct it. What would tell us some of the qualities that the uniforms would have? Um, well, tailoring for for totalitarian regimes, ta- tailoring is key. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. So everyone would have just have to go for fittings, morning, noon, and night. <laughs> you'd just be, you'd be so busy selecting swatches and having shoulders altered and stuff that there wouldn't be too much time to do anything too hideous, hopefully. <laughs> it would be a distraction, all that visual presentation. There'd be entire, entire what would the pal- What would the palette be, do you think? Well, I think it would be audacious to have a very light palette because normally you think, oh, sensible, navy, gray, don't show the dirt. But like, you know, um, banana, yellow, bright colors would be audacious. Why not? You'd, be hand, you'd probably have to hand wash all that shit. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think if everyone wore banana yellow, they would take the regime seriously enough or would it collapse under its fluffy weight? Well, if it collapsed under its fluffy weight, that wouldn't be a bad thing, right? True. You could be undermining it. Yeah. Killed so by fluff. Let's, yeah. This is a great one for an audience survey. So first answer will be, uh, when I pose it in a second, will be you'd rather live in totalitarian. Second is you'd rather live in anarchist. So who would rather live in a totalitarian regime? <laughs> who would rather live in anarchy? Very, very, very Brooklyn crowd here in Manhattan tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, since how many people here? How many people here ride the MTA? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Would you rather be a bird or a mountain? Uh, For me, it's it's a bird. The idea of having to uh, flight is amazing. Plus, you if you were a mountain, you could basically only date people in your range. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you might pick being a bird anyway because you get to fly. That's so appealing, right? But what kind of mountain? Do you think you're a mountain with like snow and lots of people, lots of flowers bloom on you? A Teton. You get to be a Teton. Get to like be a, a Teton. Really peaky. Yeah, that's pretty grand. A view of a nice river. And you definitely live much longer. Much oh, longer. That's true. But you don't but, really but, know I mean, it. You don't really do you know do? it. No, I You're think you imagine consciousness for this mountain. Oh, you get consciousness? I think so, yeah. Oh, then mountain. Why wouldn't you be a mountain? Well, you can't move. Well, but why would you want consciousness? Because basically you're like, well, I got another couple thousand years here. And, uh, and you might not know what's going on very much. You might get a little bored. Because you mm. wouldn't have the internet. There'd be no internet. And unless Rita Skeeter showed up, there would be no newspapers. Hmm. I'm definitely bird because if you're a mountain, you're just all day long. There are these earnest people in hiking boots stomping <laughs> in Patagonia outfits, stomping all over you and, and being just very new age about everything. And that could get wearing. No, but <laughs> think for those, you don't even notice those people. They're, t- they're like, like the they're like bacteria. And the chipmunks scampering around. You'd you're see those if you were a bird. Yeah. That's true. No, if you're a mountain, you're too concerned with much bigger things. Everything is much more slow moving. You're not concerned with kind of the quotidian. 
problems of the moment, and you're not having to, you know, escape some predator who's coming after you're you. You're being and, very zen. Now. Yeah, it's a zen. That's what if you're a mountain, you get you get a zen. I mean, I I was team tree in the fish and tree. Right, which is so weird. I guess now you're being team mountain for the same reason. I'm team mountain. But you're consistent. Um, all right, we got a couple more, and then we're going to go to our audience questions. So, actually, here, you guys, here. If you, Simon, do you have one there that you want to do? And older you, I'm not old enough. <laughs> I was born the year of the coronation. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about me. And older you, your assurance you, visits you from 20 years in the future and tells you to quit your job as a hair colorist, and move your family to Winnipeg or something terrible is going to happen, um, your older self can tell you what. Do you do it? This is from at Bozilla what? At Bozilla what? <laughs> wait, do they, they can't... terribly they, confusing. Wait, they can't tell you? They what, can, yeah, they, they can't tell you. Tell you. Yeah, yeah, you just have to trust them. You just have to go to Winnipeg. You're giving up everything for yeah. Winnipeg. I think. Can you, you take have your to family to Winnipeg? Wait, yeah, yeah. You go to you go to Winnipeg. Is Winnipeg in Canada? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, that. you definitely go to Winnipeg. I think you. If have it's you to. yourself. But it would be hard to not know what you were preventing. Well, when I emigrated, that I met this guy. He said, "Do you want to come work in LA?" And I went home and said to my roommate, um, "This bloke offered me a job in LA." And my roommate said, "Where's that?" And I said, "I don't know. It's sort of like." So I guess I'm capable of that, of just <laughs> sailing off yeah. into the future, uh, into Winnipeg. What yeah, do you think? Yeah, you, you, go. Go to Win- you go to Winnipeg. Go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you trust yourself? Our next live show could be in Winnipeg. If you could teach everyone in the world one concept, what concept would have the biggest positive impact on humanity? I like this one. I, I, my note to myself was the idea of the public good the idea of something that is isn't you do you do not just because it has a private value, but that the that the society as a whole does because it has a much better benefit for lots and lots of people over time, and that that is a concept that a lot of people do not understand. It's the basis of basically the purpose of government, the reason you have roads, the reason you pay taxes, the reason you have schools, and so that's what that would be mine. I was thinking of tragedy of the commons, which is it's related. The same thing. It's the same it's thing. The same it's just thing, thinking yeah. about it through the other lens of the telescope. Yeah. So I was thinking of uh, neighboring qualities, which were love and humility. But then I thought, what if you could? Uh, it's restraint because restraint. You restrain yourself for the purpose of the common good. You restrain yourself based on love, which creates empathy, right? So you're not a jerk to other people because you have the love and empathy to understand their condition, and so then, you, and you have humility, so you're not just acting for yourself. So I think restraint allows us to circumscribe a bunch of the things that you might pick individually. Resolving differences and conflicts in a nonviolent manner. It's that's, kind of that sort of check. That's a great one. All right. Um, so which is more important for a partner, romantic or professional, intelligence or a sense of humor? I still think you can't separate these. I think you can be intelligent and have no sense of humor, and that is... That is rotten. But I don't think that you can have a sense of humor and not be intelligent. So I feel like you pick the sense of humor because it comes with intelligence. Totally. And if you want to... Yes, totally. And yes, you can have intelligence without a sense of humor. Is this true for a colleague, too? Like, what if you you had a colleague who's like, ah, so funny, but is not that, you know, is less smart than somebody who is... Well, it depends what their job is and whether you rely on them. Well, unless they're, like, designing, you know, your escape hatch from your rocket ship, I think you pick the sense of humor. (laughs) Why do I I need an escape hatch from the rocket (laughs) ship? I don't know. It's a bad day. You know, it just happens. Because he's giggly and doesn't build a very good rocket ship. Uh, Yeah, well, the answer is, this is just the partner. This is your romantic partner, is that right? Well, then David changed it to business partner. Yeah, for romantic partner, it seems fairly... I mean, unless, Simon, do you want to make the case for intelligence over a sense of humor? No, the reverse, if anything. Like, <laughs> I think intelligence is overrated and completely expendable. And that um, <laughs> sense of humor is the thing that matters. I mean, 
that's been my experience. I know people who are fabulously intelligent, but they're completely insane and unbearable. Like, whereas if they have a sense of humor, right. they're pretty much, great, okay, good to go. Right, yeah. a Plus, lot of intelligence. Intelligence, what is that? And what no is sense it? of humor, right. sort of like a malady, right? Those people are hard to be around. Yeah. The, Another reason to get rid of the internet. The, um, yeah, the harder question is, would you give up you know, 50% of your sense of humor for $10 million? Definitely not. But you would. Get, I hope yeah. that I have a good enough. Say, but yeah, no. <laughs> um, Emily, if you had to choose, would you rather be stuck reading one book again over and over for the rest of your life, or able to listen to one song again for the rest of your life, but have all the books that you need? This one, I feel like so. You, listening to one song over and over again would be so horrible, no matter the song. That's like right. That earworm idea is very irritating. So I think. Actually, and reading the same book over, books are longer and more complex, so it seems like you'd pick the book. But I think this question really gets at is that you have to give up either music or books because you would be, and that is really awful. And I don't think I could give up music. But do, with the music, John, yeah. under is it playing all the time, That's or can the big you choose question. not to listen right. to it? Because if you could choose not to listen to it, then you'd be okay. Right. Except, right? but then you'd have to give up music. What if it's think? a holly jolly Christmas? I mean, but don't you feel that way? Like that? You, but you wouldn't you choose would commit that, murder. So. There, by this point in the year, I would commit murder. To get away from the song. To get away from the Christmas music. That's why I think, though, you have to imagine that you don't get to listen to any music ever because you'd have to turn off the one song and then there's no other music. But you get the choice to turn it off. Yes, but then you have to live without music. Would you really want to live without music? Yeah, but would you want to live without books? Well, the thing about living without books, while it pains me, is there are many other forms of written material, right? Are you giving up oh, your I laptop? Like, are you giving like, up oh, magazine oh, articles? Well, now you're just reading it all on your Kindle. <laughs> no, no, I think we'd have I, to come up with some. I feel like this is a, it, it would have to be printed material or something because I feel oh. like you're using a, 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 printed a smart loophole. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was. That was well. Yeah, I'd take that loophole. Right. Sure. I guess if. What if you had to give up all written words? And I mean, books no, are. No, you wouldn't. You couldn't it. give up all written words. No, you couldn't. So then you'd have to give up. You give up music. That's so tragic, don't you think? There's always podcasting, Emily. <laughs> We'd miss our theme song, David. You could hum. That's our show for today. The Gabbett is produced by Jocelyn Frank. Our researchers, Bridget Dunlap. This live conundrum show was put together by faith smith thank you to the skirball center at nyu you can follow us on twitter at, at @slategabfest, where you should tweet your cocktail chatters to us at, at @slategabfest. you can go to facebook.com slash gabfest to check out the facebook conversation you can email us at gabfest at slate.com for emily bazelon and john dickerson and our wonderful special guest simon dunan i'm david plotz we will talk to you next year 